So welcome to episode 10 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Hill. Hey. Liz. Hello. And Sabine. Hi. With episode notes done once again by myself and Kata. So episode 10, uh, screenplay was done by Lon Wright, and it was directed by Wayne Terrell. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Liz. The tribe holds an election to determine their leader, choosing between Amber and Lex. Meanwhile, Jack's secret food stash is revealed after Patsy and Paul find themselves losing big to Ryan in hands of poker. As a result, Jack himself is on trial for hoarding the food. So episode 10 kicks off with the decent mother scandal. Um, so we are presented with an emotional Celine who is completely fed up with her treatment or her what she expects, thinks is her treatment, um, as she sees a graffiti message called on the work rotor, which says decent mother wanted. Look at this place, it's disgusting! Celine! They're all pigs, I hate them! What's the matter? Who wrote this? Decent mother! I'm trying my best! Celine, it's not about you. It's about. What was that crash? You all right? Um, obviously, we all know who the culprit is, but just thinking about Celine's perspective at the moment, what do you think about her reaction to seeing that message? That must have been so hurtful. I mean, we've all we've seen from Celine is her giving it everything she has to be a good person and to be nurturing and to care about everybody, and. This was just a cruel letter, you know, um, especially since um, I'm sure that Celine wants her mom too. It's a really sore spot to even go there. It's a nasty way to, you know, pick on someone because they're not up to par in your eyes. And it was just cruel. I really felt bad for her. It was a very cruel joke. I always thought it was about Amber, though, not so much Celine. Like, I know, like, Celine thought it was about her because she's the one who's been doing all of the everything. Oh, hell, you but, up. I was just about to mention that. Because yeah. even, like, <laughs> Amber goes, Celine, it's not about, and then it just cuts to, like, the next scene. And we never really touch on that ever again. You brought up a good point. I was going to mention how it kind of works on multiple levels. <laughs> like, yeah. Is it targeted at Amber because of the work rotor? Is it because that's Celine because she's trying to be the mother? Is it at Trudy, it wasn't written. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah, even Trudy, like who it's not written about. I think maybe Amber thought it was about Trudy. Like we don't ever know who it's about. So I get like Celine's upset because it could be about her because she's doing all of the stuff. But yeah, I even forgot about Trudy because Trudy technically is the mother. I always assumed it was about Trudy because he's not on Rhoda for anything. Yeah. And she's not taking care of the baby. Or, I mean, it could even be about all of them. Like, we need a decent somebody to help us out. Like, we all lost our parents. Regardless of who it was meant for, it was still a very cruel joke. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Like, it's, it's an unforgivably cruel joke. It doesn't matter who it was targeted at. doesn't matter who thought it was funny. It was cruel and inexcusable. 
Mm-hmm. Was anyone shocked at Celine's reaction at smashing the plates? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Fully justified. And at least he hadn't washed them yet. <laughs> <laughs> I would have broken more than some plates at this point. Yeah, but if you're gonna smash plates, smash dirty plates. No, because then the food goes everywhere. I'm cracking skulls. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously we know who who was the culprit. Um, Do we though? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I <laughs> that's also very well. Conge- like, yeah, who else, I don't put who it past Lex, but. But I think it, it's never confirmed for us because I it, think the point isn't who made it. It's just that somebody did. Because, I mean, yes, yeah, so you could you, know, you could easily say it was Lex. He doesn't deny writing it. Um, but nobody asks Ray what it says. But he's being sarcastic when he asks. So yeah. it could have been, you know what I mean? I, I don't think it was ever the point of knowing who did it. I think that's the saddest part. You don't know exactly who did it. Because I never, you know, I thought, yeah, it could be Lex, but just as easily could have been somebody else being a punk. <laughs> but it also gets very much, like, dismissed. Like, we have this one little scene, and then it's never brought back up. It's never spoken about, you know. They could have gone through and, like, tossed them out. Like, as you said, that's inexcusable. And yet, they just kind of like, ah, whatever. I mean, yeah, that's one thing about season one, because there's so many other things that happen in one after yeah. the other that it's hard to yeah, pick up on things that should have happened, like kicking Casey out because of the water and all kinds of things. Because one after the other happens, and then it's like, okay, we've got to deal with this now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. it's also a really realistic depiction of how sometimes conflicts work. You know, you have a small conflict, and before you even have a chance to flesh out that one, a bigger one comes along. So before they even have a chance to deal with this letter writer this cruel person whoever might have done it and yell at them for it or whatever we all of a sudden have a new conflict of who should be in charge of things and that's the one that escalates that's the one that takes precedent and that happens over and over again in the show like you said casey not actually getting kicked out for the you know Mm -hmm. confessing it was me who did the water but we don't deal with it because all of a sudden the virus just made an appearance so Bigger conflicts just take precedent. Other things just kind of, mm-hmm. ugh, there's no point in even dealing with this right now. Pick your battles. Hmm. I mean, these kids are constantly putting out fires. So. Yeah. Besides, what would they have even done to the letter writer if they found them? Aside from yell at them. Give them a proper English class. But you just said, you know, that was hurtful. They should have tossed them out. I didn't say so- anyone should toss them out. I said it was an inexcusably cruel thing. I didn't say oh. that what the punishment should be. I don't know what the punishment should be. Mm. But the punishment fit, fit the crime? Made that person look after the baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Could you imagine? <laughs> Let's try to look after Brady. <laughs> poor, poor little Brady. Oh, oh I'd pay for that episode. <laughs> What's the matter? Can't take a little joke? Missing mummy too much, are we? I've had enough of this. Okay, yeah, speaking of Lex, I mean, let's talk about that long-awaited showdown between Lex and Bray. I mean, yes, it was quickly broken up, but what did you think about that little fight that happened between the two of them? I loved Sandra's look at first. She was staring there, just like guys going, ooh, girl fight. <laughs> she just had that look on her face with, ooh, this is interesting. Until Amber broke it up, but... I don't know, like, and I was kind of struck by this watching it back, like... Bray mentions mind games so many times in the scene and like 
with Lex, at least you know what you're getting with him. And yet the people who are actually playing the real mind games are the people who are so far gone. Like it's Amber and it's Bray who are just being very like sly about it. <laughs> and that just, I'm like, stop saying that word because you're the one doing it. I, um, I really love this escalation of tension between the guys. For me, this is the episode where I thought they have finally found their footing. They know what this is going to be about. They know where they're going with this. The acting, the writing, everything in this episode is spot on. Absolutely perfect. Every performance, every line. This is the, a good one. The script is sparkling. Everybody's on it. Everyone brings their game in this episode. The tone just feels like, okay, we are here. We've, we've done the setup. You know, we've already established how everyone's here, how they got here, blah, blah, blah. And just like you said, you have Bray deciding in this episode whether or not to stay. It's all been settled. We're here now. We have to deal with each other. And, oh, man, it just comes together beautifully. That conflict between the boys is wonderful. And it's a very natural progression to talking about this thing that we've sort of been putting on the back table. Like, who is going to lead this ship? <laughs> Someone needs to steer this. We can't keep avoiding it. And finally deciding to make a decision about it. And as much as Lex bugs me, I will give him props for, hey, stepping up to the plate. I'm, I'll be leader. I'll let me do it. And you have Bray who immediately goes, I don't want any part of it. I don't want to have to be responsible for anybody. And Amber's frustration with him, like, dude, what is wrong with you? Are you really going to leave your niece's future in this guy's hands? And Bray's like, well, no, I wouldn't be happy about it. And she's like, then do something about it. And it's just beautiful, the flow of that conversation. And sorry, I'm gushing. <laughs> hey, I'm still very much, well, not in love, but I really, really like the moment that Bray just tells Amber, there is no us. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What sort of future does she get? A good one. That's why I brought her here. And now that she's here, that's your job done, is it? And if Lex becomes leader, you're happy with that? You're happy to leave her future in his hands? Not especially, no. Well, do something about it then! Um, yeah, speak, sticking with the like leadership aspect, like, why do you think Amber kind of b believes that Bray is the best person for this job? Like, after everything <laughs> he's kind of done, well, why do you think? <laughs> like, uh, I have thoughts <laughs> I, i'm i'm like just putting on like make a list of everything he's so, done so far. yeah <laughs> no, why I, would he be the best person for this job <laughs> my thoughts are is amber in her sneaky sort of mind game way once again decided that in order for bray to stick around and need he needed something to have to do so I want you to stay with us and not disappear like you've been doing so often. So if you're a leader, maybe he will stay. And then I can, you know, look at the pretty boy the entire time. Ah, okay. Yeah. So you think he was so I, close? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was just to keep him around because he's been running out so much to help Trudy and do everything for her. I actually don't think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. um, for I actually think it has more to do with being brainwashed by the world that they live in. It is a might-make-right world. And one of the reasons these kids enjoyed Bray joining their tribe was because he was the opposite of Lex. 
He wasn't dangerous. He wasn't a threat, but he was big enough to stick up for them if they needed him to. So he was welcomed with open arms because of that. And I think with Amber, because it really hasn't occurred to her to be the leader, despite her natural uh, predisposition to leadership, she really is looking at Bray as the only other guy who can stand up to Lex and the only other guy that the other kids would actually follow. So when she's looking at him, I don't think Amber thinks Bray's a good leader. <laughs> but <laughs> I think he's the better of two evils. Right. She's trying to be pragmatic. Like some it's probably gonna be a guy who leads this tribe because it's the world we're living in right now. And Bray is the only alternative to Lex, you know, and she knows the other kids would get on board with it. And she knows that he could shout Lex down and so she's extremely frustrated with Bray for not caring not willing to do anything willing to just let the pieces fall where they will because she's genuinely shocked when he turns it around on her and says what's Amber I don't want to be a leader look at me I'm not a leader are you crazy it's you you know uh, so I don't, I don't think she was just trying to get him to stick around I don't think she thought he was a good leader I think she just thought like Sabine said he was the lesser of two evils <laughs> well he is he's I mean, if you look at Bray, he's, he's got charisma. He's got the kind of face that even other tribes would trust. No, he, he looks trustworthy and not like a gang member. What did they say about John F. Kennedy's speech? It's 80% how you look, 20% what you mm -hmm. say. <laughs> yeah. And well, Bray's got that going for him. It's true. He's always failing upwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the kind of guy that... In a high school setting, he would have been class president. You know, if the girls had any vote, he would have been. And in this case, he's the kind of guy they see things they would all vote for. I don't um, think he would be class president, though, because of the way he tells Amber that he's not the leader. Like, I don't think he would do that. He I don't think he, I would don't think he'd run for it either. I never yeah. saw Bray as he's that guy. not a leader. He's like he, he doesn't like, chase glory. Yeah, it gets thrust upon him because it's being said he is beautiful and charismatic, and you know, but he doesn't genuinely seem to want much of it. Like, I think he's the type of kid in high school who just kind of wants to keep his nose clean and out of everybody's way to a point. And all that like, he doesn't want the yeah. glory or anything. Like he might be, you know on the football team but he doesn't want to be like the star quarterback he would have never put his name in for prom queen he someone else would have put his name in he might be everybody's buddy but he doesn't want to be like the poster child of the student body yeah yeah i'm in full agreement with you hill that's i, I always got that vibe from him uh mm -hmm. he doesn't chase glory he doesn't want to be the center of attention but he does take it for granted because it's always being thrust upon him yeah Sticking with that leadership, I mean, what do you think of Amber's, like, real sneakiness, really? Um, like, realizing that Lex really has to win this so that he, both him and everyone else can see just how bad he is for the job. Um, like, do, do you think it was sneaky or just common sense from her point of view? Both. It's that mind game thing. Like, she, you know, she's not really upfront about it, but she is working behind the scenes to mess with things and that actually proves why she's a leader it was so clever it was the most clever i would never have thought to do that like it's a perfect example of reverse psychology mm. um I, I i really do love how she went about that in fact her and lex both 
and their campaigns were brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> they really were. Yeah. I, love how, I love how she came to that conclusion. And um, it really was a smart one because think about it. Either way, she wins. If Lex turns mm -hmm. out to be a good leader, okay, he's leader, you know? Mm -hmm. And if he turns out to be a bad leader, there'll be a mutiny. <laughs> And she could take his place or whatever. Someone could take his place um, or he'll get tired of it. It's a very clever way to get there without making it a conflict. And mm -hmm. she's working around Lex's defensiveness. She doesn't want to fight with him. So she's, she's got to be clever how to deal with him. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think of everything Lex does in his campaign? Freaking brilliant. brilliant. Back to like the running for student council. It was very much the, I'm going to put Coke in the the water fountains like did you guys have that like every time we had a student election someone was always like there's not going to be any homework and soda will come from the water fountains and it was very much like that's what it reminded me of of like i will just tell you whatever you need to hear just so you elect me and it was funny i love this i love it because i already saw it said i always believe lex was more clever than most people mm -hmm. are and mm -hmm. Up until this point, you're only seeing him use his muscle and his physical threats to get people to do what he wants. And I really love seeing the way bra his brain works and that he is good at sussing out what people want and promising them that, you know. Uh, he's, and he's, he's being very cool about it. He's not threatening anybody. He's, he's not using his no, muscle. And he has figured out what each person kind of wants in the situation. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like, really nice watching him do it. You know, he's he's observed enough to know that like the way to you is this, and the way to you is this. And ah, uh, I love how he works with Paul. Oh, that is such a great conversation. Yeah. One of my favorites. That was That's my favorite. Thing. Yeah, it's a, and and he knows that in winning over Paul, he automatically wins over Patsy. Yeah, and it's not just even that, like. Because Lex isn't in conflict with these people, you get to see a Lex who can actually, you know, you might want to be friends with because yeah. they're able to have like nice, like him and Paul, that conversation. He's not threatening Paul. He's not being smug with Paul. Um, he's just being straight with them. Like, I know you want to win. Okay. And you're not going to with your hand. But if you want to, if you vote for me. You know, he's not being mean to Paul. He's not trying to scare him. And no. then he continues just chatting with him. And Paul's enjoying his company. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love that. I'm like, I wish I could have yeah. seen more of that, you know. I wish we could have kept Paul. I feel like Lex was always like, you back him into a corner. And that's when he feels like he has to fight his way out. And so this, he's not being backed into anything. He's given the space to kind of work his way around. And, yeah, and he doesn't have anyone watching him at that moment. Yeah. And he can just kind of let the guard down and, you know, he needs to approach them, not the other way around. Once again, I love who Lex is in the dark. I do. Mm -hmm. So this is moment number two of that, I think. Yeah, I, 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 mm -hmm. I was watching it. And I was like, oh, again, just in this, yeah. this entire episode is so perfect. It's so good. Yeah, this is a good one. We've needed a good episode. Yeah, and Lex's performance was wonderful. If it seems like the writers, you know, okay, they're like, once we, we've got everything established, let's really start diving into these people, and that was great because that's all Lex has been up to this point. It's just a bully, so it was mm -hmm. time to see more to this guy. <laughs> Why would he even have friends? You know, you need to show that, as Hill calls it, his charm. <laughs> well, <laughs> you didn't see it. 
he needs and to know what it is. You know, okay, so I'm just going to say it because you said his charm. You guys, all everyone's always about Bray. Bray's the best, okay? Once again. When have Bray, we said that Bray's the well, best? Well, not you guys, but there was a whole <laughs> joke about this, like, several years ago. Like, with Lex, you know what you're getting up front. Like, Bray is, like, oh, Bray scares me more than any of them. He's the jerk. Just going there. <laughs> I didn't know he could sign swear words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going back to Paul a little bit, because I, I wanted to bring this up, because that was such a nice moment that they put in the show with um, Ryan bonding with the kids. <laughs> I, I absolutely yeah. loved that scene where <laughs> Paul was teaching. one of my favourites. It was so, so nice. <laughs> so bad. I didn't know you could sign swear words. <laughs> I, I know they were gambling, but it was a nice little bonding moment between the group. It was, I just thought yeah. it was nice. <laughs> it was, you know, that was another of those kids being kids moments. Yeah, kids being kids, and Ryan knowing he can win from these kids. Yeah, but they actually picked up poker quite well. They're better players yeah. than me. <laughs> yeah, they they're, they're, they're having fast. fun. So, yeah, and they're having fun. They're definitely yeah. having fun. And it's yeah, it's, it's that kind of like, that scene kind of makes me miss Paul in a way because I, I just think mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan's got the poker hat on, and you know Paul's got the lollipop in his mouth. Oh, <laughs> and he's like such a badass! Like his facial expressions are so ace. <laughs> like the smugness. Like oh man, you've got jacks. Like come on, dude. But Lex even compliments him. He's like, "That's a good bluff, but you're not gonna yeah. win." Like Ryan's not gonna put his hand down with these and uh, <laughs> full house. Like oh, so funny. A plus, A plus writing. <laughs> well, except, and I will say because it is this scene, the only part of the scene and maybe this episode that bugs me as someone who gambles and goes to casinos, Lex is the type of person who would want to know the game and be able to beat the game. And the fact that he says, we'll go play roulette. Have you ever, like, he's like, have you ever played roulette? Like, that game's not beatable. Like, that is, like, no, like, Why? I actually really love that line. I love him mm -hmm. offering to take Paul to a real casino. Yeah. Like, well, no, I love that part. That is like, so freaking sweet and adorable and so out of character for Lex to offer that. And just telling him about games he enjoys. You ever played roulette? You know, it's just a, but like, like all so beatable games. Like, I don't see Lex being a roulette player because it's not beatable. It's like playing slots. Like, it's Maybe not a beatable game. Maybe he just enjoys the thrill. <laughs> he could you know, be another but, facet of him. But it was, it was actually that moment for me, Lex and Paul together, that made me wonder if Paul had stayed, would he? Would they have given like the plans they made for KC? Would they have been used for Paul? Possibly, yeah. Probably, and I think we see a lot of that in the show, just because of working with kids and animals. Like, yeah, I don't. I don't hold any of the actors leaving against them, like, mm -hmm. at all. Because, you know, as, as a child, like, if you had me being in elementary school working on a set, like, that's a lot of work. And, yeah, it is. you know, <laughs> that's crazy. And the creators did their best they could yeah. to transition storylines from one character yeah. to another. Something exactly. worked really well. Like, Paul disappearing and Casey taking his storyline actually works really well. Oh, yeah. Other, and I love Casey. Other times it doesn't work as well, where it's just way too obvious. The differences between the characters aren't enough for them to feel like a new character, and they mm -hmm. feel too much like a replacement. 
But it worked yeah. with Casey. It worked yeah. with, with Casey. I would have just loved to see what they would have done with Paul. And I almost wonder if maybe if we had more of the like poker moments, if maybe mm-hmm. that would have been enough to keep him around, or if there was other outlying things as well, like school or family issues. I do recall reading an interview about what happened to the young actor who left playing Paul. Um, he, was having, he was having a really difficult time on the uh-huh. set, uh, being yes. deaf, and he expressed a lot of confusion. He wasn't always quite sure what was going on or what the show was about or what was expected of him. I don't think, I don't know. The years, yeah. I don't know what the ch- child labor laws were like then, okay? I just know that he probably was not handled as well as he should have been, especially with his disability. So you have this Mm -hmm. little boy who's away from home. He's Mm -hmm. scared alone. He felt very isolated and the creators didn't even tell him they were sending him home. They recognized that Paul was having a hard time. So they just sent him home and he didn't even know he wasn't coming back to the show. That's how poorly handled. I do remember reading all of that and it is a shame. It's a shame. You all right? Oh, yeah, perfect. Where's the baby? Dunno. Trude. Celine's got her. Just something I, I noticed on the rewatch that I didn't really notice before is um, Bray calls Trudy by Martin's nickname for Trudy. Yep. He said Trude. I just thought it was just, it just stood out for me this, on this rewatch. Um, yeah, it was a bit weird. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. It, was, it just comes out with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just. It always made sense to me, but that's because I still assume Trudy is short for Gertrude. And <laughs> that's a name I've heard a lot during my life. They spent a lot of time together. He's known her a long time. He's yeah. every now and then going to slip into a nickname for her. So He's trying like he's trying to get information out of her about where the baby is. And Trudy gives him a like a passing I don't know, like and that's when he's like Trude like I know your past. Like, that's kind of like a don't lie with to me kind of thing. That's how I pictured it or read into it, I guess. Because this literally fires back with Celine's got her. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like, I don't know if your parents did, did this with you guys. But whenever my mother was serious, like, she called my name, Elizabeth. And whatever reason, I'm being a bratty kid. Like, eh, what? If, if my mother called me by my middle name, I would start stop messing around. And, um... I feel like that's one of those moments where Trudy's just being a pain in that moment because she's annoyed. And when Bryce says, Trude, come on, just please drop it. And she's just like, oh, fine. You know, that would have been a Gertrude it's like an, moment. It's yeah. like an intimate <laughs> like, moment. Like, come on, I don't have the energy. Just come on. Like, okay, fine. No, I get it. But I do. I think it's a callback of like, you know, yeah. I, I know too much about you to be for you to be short with me. Like, just give it. Give me an actual answer. Yeah, I just delivered your baby and you got my brother killed. So just, <laughs> I got no patience for this little Miss Sassy. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes sense. But this, I find such an extraordinary conversation between Trudy and Bray. And it leaves so many implications of what the months they spent together were like. When we first meet them, they are in a really good place emotionally being super nice to each other and concerning and all that stuff. And right now they are starting to become quite fed up with each other. And, you know, you have Bray who, this is not what he signed up for. He wasn't supposed to be taking care of Trudy and the baby. He was supposed to have fobbed her off on his brother by now. 
you know, and Trudy, who I get the sense is tired of pretending that she's not pissed off at being used by Bray in that way. And when she explodes on him, I wonder how long she's wanted to say that to him. All those months they were together and mm-hmm. just be like, why have you been putting up with me? You know what I mean? And the fact that she had to be dependent on this man that she was in love with, but knew he didn't love her and was just using her to get back to his brother. It's finally coming out because she's had a severe hormone drop. And <laughs> they've been desperate to say these things to each other for a while. You can see it. They are fed mm-hmm. up with each other. Mm-hmm. It's like a forced marriage. <laughs> <laughs> And now they don't have an out. They don't have an escape. You know, Martin was the escape and he's gone. And now she's safe where she is and she doesn't have to be liked by Bray anymore. Mm. Well, she wants him to like her, but since he doesn't So her insecurities she... are getting the better of her now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and she finally snaps. I mean, she finally feels like she can save what she wants because she thinks she's lost him already. It's true. Because it almost feels like it comes out of nowhere. You know, but the way they talk about it, it does not feel like this is a new issue that they're suddenly feeling. They've been feeling this way for a while. Mm-hmm. Even Bray just like, just shut up. You know, he's so down yeah. with her at that moment. <laughs> well, she even calls him out on it and says, like, why are you wasting your time on me? Um, sticking with Bray for a bit. Um, his time at the beach. Me and my worries are going to take over the world. Martin! Where we see in this episode, he goes back and remembers Martin and does his dramatic scream. Ah. The only line that just doesn't land in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad everyone else thinks that because it was quite an hour <laughs> people. Can we just not? Oh, yeah, right. But, um, it was supposed to be an emotional scene um, where you remember each other. <laughs> um, supposed to be. And it, it kind of hints that um, it was that, that kind of moment where Bray decides that, yeah, okay, I'm going to stay and make things work. Um, yeah, what, would you, what were your thoughts about when you saw that scene, apart from that line? <laughs> I thought he was so frustrated that because his brother managed to get himself killed, he was now stuck taking care of Trudy and his yeah. niece. It, it, to me, it seemed more like frustration than grief. Ah, uh, so that's mm-hmm. why he screamed out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a it's kind of like both frustration and grief I'm, yeah. I'm really close to my brothers and if you ever had to watch a sibling that you love take the wrong path mm-hmm. and wreck, up, wreck their life and your life might get wrecked just because you're trying to help them and the anger that comes from that like why did you have to go down that way you know now you're dead and I've, I don't have you I've lost all my family and now I have your daughter to raise. You had something to live for and you threw it away because you just wouldn't listen to me and you were being so stubborn and just anger, frustration, and grief all mixed up mm-hmm. into one. Why did you do this to me? You know, we were we should have been trying to survive together after mom and dad died, you know? And and you left me and I held out hope I could get you back. And you left me again, this time permanently. You know, I never can get you back. And I hate you for doing that to me because now I have to live in this world and it totally sucks, you know, and you're not here and I don't have you and I can never make up to you what happened. And yeah, there's, there can be a lot of anger and frustration at someone you lose like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's also the moment he realizes that just, he has to go back to take care of that little baby. For his brother's sake, for his legacy. She's literally all he has left. Yeah, 
he's all the family in the world he has. That's a hard. That's a hard judgment call. You know, that's a kind. That's a really hard pain to deal with. It would be easier if he just walked away. He doesn't know Brady at this time point. She doesn't have a name yet. You know, and he might have wanted to, but like it goes back to you know the only story that they have about Martin is the ones that they've seen. Like he's the one who knows Martin. I'm gonna do this for you, you jerk. Yeah, like that's like maybe that's where the fresh. Well, that is probably where the frustration comes from. Like you know, it's so easy to say, "Oh, he was this big bad, you know, bad guy," but he was his brother. What was he as like the four year old? Bray never treated his brother like he was a bad guy. He treated he always treated no. you like he was just going through a phase. That's the thing. Like, yeah, that's true. But to the rest of the world, Zoot's the bad guy, and it's you know it's now Bray's responsibility to be like he wasn't always bad. Like this is. Whether that's the truth or not, we don't know, but... He's the only one who can tell his niece. Yeah. He is the, the only, only one who can tell this little girl who her father really was. Without having the bias of him being an evil person. He can tell her, this is what your dad was like when he was six, long before your mother yeah. ever met him, you know? Because, you know, like, even Trudy would be like, you know, your dad I was only, kind of an ass. I didn't know your dad that long, kiddo. I'm yeah. <laughs> and, like, we can't... We can't let Lex write the history for Brady like that. Oh, like anyone so else can't write that history. No, even Ebony. Ebony knew him shorter than Trudy did. Yeah, but like if whoever has to write the history of Zoot for it Brady, should be someone who loved him. Yes. And knew him. Yes. That, I think so, that's what. You're, yeah. That's what I'm getting. Like Bray is the person who yeah has that responsibility. Not to mention, I think I fully believe that Bray thought his brother, Brady, was going to bring his brother back. And of course, we'll never know because they were interrupted and then poor Martin died. Yeah. But I think in Bray's mind, he believed that if that night had gone different, he would have gotten his brother back and his brother would have stood by to raise that little girl. And so he's got she to raise her for his brother because that's what his brother would have done. It's what his brother would have wanted. But he's never going to hug her because we can't ever see Bray holding his niece. That the white whale of the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like three times stupid. he holds that kid. Ab above a cliff, ready to drop her. I wonder if it's like just because Dwayne was, I don't know how old he was at the time, but it's like kids holding kids. Maybe he was just like, no, not how comfortable holding an actual baby. Like, no, thank you. Or like maybe the baby just hated Dwayne for some reason <laughs> there's one really adorable image I actually only have two images of him holding her in yeah. season one and they're adorable one he's sitting at the table with her and he's kissing the top of her head I don't know oh, if yeah. it was in between the scenes or what it's super cute and then when Top Hat invites them all he takes her because you know yeah. Trudy has to go work up in the kitchen and the way he's holding Brady so protectively is he's glaring at Top Hat. Probably <laughs> because he was scared he was going to drop the kid. Let's be honest. <laughs> no. No. Yes. Those precious moments. Hmm. Hey, at least he held Brady. I was like... can say about his, kid, his own kid. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, that wasn't his fault. <laughs> no, it's not his fault. He didn't take it away. That's awful. You guys are like, yeah, he didn't even hold his own kid. Like, you guys, he's probably dead. You can help that. You guys are terrible. <laughs> what? He fought so hard to keep Brady safe. And yet and couldn't. Keep, Tr keep Trudy safe from the Locos during her 
pregnancy and yet it's true and yet he disappears like wait 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 you guys were acting like he walked away or something no he was kidnapped he was kidnapped i know bunch of them (laughs) or something run wait 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 after the first he was mapped into unconsciousness (laughs) we didn't see that He got. He, he managed to get himself and Amber evicted from the friggin' city by Ebony. Right. <laughs> What's going too far? Nothing. Nothing. Jack's got a secret. Come on, then. What secret? Oh yes. Um, staying on the topic of kids. Um, let's talk a bit about Patsy here, because this was quite an interesting scenario. I thought. Um, when they're playing poker, that. She just seemed like she no longer cared about keeping the secret of the food store. She just kind of blurts it out between Jack and Dow and um, just tells Ryan she's going off. It's just, it just seems like she no longer cares. Like, what do, you, do you think it was kind of a bit of an addiction storyline playing there? Or, or do you think it was just, mm. no, just kids being I think she's. I think she's caught up in the fun of it. And mm. because she's a kid, she's not thinking about the consequences. If they Because re- they haven't gotten caught yet. You know what I mean? They've just have, they've been having fun taking you know jack for a ride and it has been fun you know what i mean and they have that they've had that control which is very rare for children i think she's just caught up in how much fun she's having she also didn't say like oh he's got food he said he's got a secret so like i don't think she necessarily meant to it like she was getting caught up oh she meant it she was getting caught off of the fun. I'm, I'm sure she meant to. I just think it's because she's no longer taking it as a serious thing. She's having fun. And she is not thinking about the consequences of anyone actually finding out. She's forgotten what would happen if anyone finds out. And, um, yeah. And it also says she's getting comfortable. She's comfortable in the mall. She's becoming comfortable around these people. And has forgotten how quickly things can go to crap. Yeah, she's just... She's just caught up in the thrill of it. This is so fun. I can control Jack. I can get as much food as I want. You know, I'm having a great time. When was the last time she felt like that? A good cover because at the time, you know, Patsy goes to Jack looking for food for poker. And that's when Dow walks in. And they're mid-conversation about the food store. And they're trying to cover it up. And so Patsy goes, oh, he's got a secret. Like, She's trying to cover the track that they walked in in this conversation. No, no, no. She she says that to, on purpose to push Jack to get her. Yes, forward. to make Jack give her what he wants because he doesn't want Dal yeah. to ask what the secret is because Dal immediately goes, "What's the secret?" She <laughs> oh, yeah, she saw that. Jack's like, "There's no secret." Come on, Patsy. I agree, Lance. They are getting very careless with it because yeah. just in that one poker game, just that one poker game in this one day, how many times does she have to get up and get more food? Oh, yeah. And Jack is like, so you ruined yourselves and now you're ruining me. <laughs> yeah, they are getting careless about it, definitely, because they're starting to feel really secure in their situation, having a lot of fun and no longer thinking about the consequences because they're like, what, 10? Mm-hmm. Was it a... Uh- like a subtle nod to gambling addiction because like she kept going back for more and more food it's like she knows they're losing i don't know it felt like they're kind of add that in i don't know yeah it, it did feel like they managed to sneak that i wouldn't be surprised they put some fantastic stuff in here some of it's under a metaphor but in the early seasons it's pretty in your face why not a gambling addiction watch out kids this could happen to you <laughs> i mean yeah 
I know at that age, like, we didn't gamble, but we did kind of do things. We would trade. That was our big thing as kiddos at this age. I do like the tension shift, though. Um, we, we're right here. We're in this gambling scene. It's so lighthearted. Nothing bad could come of it. Everybody's having a great time. Even Lex, as he's bribing these kids to vote for him, he's not being mean about it. Everyone's having a great time. You really aren't prepared for it to go completely pear-shaped at the end of the episode. And I think they're luring like the viewer into a false sense of security too absolutely perfect so yeah Yeah. like as you said that like you're just watching the episode it's fun with the exception of bray's like stupid scream you know it's great and then the end of the episode you're like oh that yeah yeah it's just with that whole election thing i just i loved how they put that with lex with his lovely vote for me and you'll never have to vote vote again because i'll make all the decisions for you some democracy <laughs> i love that that's cute it's just and him going to dal and jack with a oh we can't write stuff down because ryan can't can't do that and you don't want him to get mad yeah i didn't like him throwing ryan under the bus like that I always saw it as like it just makes Ryan look dumb because he's embarrassed. Oh, I know why he's and like, I know he why he's help. doing. It. He's protecting himself. I just don't like that he, the way to protect himself was to throw a close friend under the bus. But like I that. don't think he meant it as a throwing under the bus. He just meant he could use Ryan. Of course, because he you can't know. say like, "Oh, Jack, Jack can't you know me. wrong in your eyes." So <laughs> of course, you don't think it's being thrown under the bus. But if my friend did that to me to protect themselves. I'd see it as being thrown into the bus. Like, but, you want people to think I'm an idiot to protect yourself? Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, as someone who has, like, disabilities and stuff like that, too, like, I would be okay. Like, if I had a close friend and I was like, listen, I don't want everyone knowing about this. Do you mind just to get some of the heat off of me? Like, I know friends who would do that for me. Well, you didn't ask, right? Yeah, but as Sabine just said, he didn't ask. He didn't check with Ryan. You don't okay? see that he asked. Like, is you it okay, Ryan, if everybody in the mall thinks you're illiterate just so I look good? Is that okay with you, Ryan? Is that fine with you? Yeah, I, I'm with Liz on this one. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you see in like, a later episode how like, Ryan reads out the, was it the executive? Yeah. Line? yeah. Like, uh, so, so that um, down Jack don't realize that Lex can't read. So it's like, He's protecting his friends back by making sure he's not like seen as illiterate, but it's not. He's done, Lex doesn't do the same to him, and it really bugs me because later in season two, you see Ryan trying to teach Lex how to read. Yeah, like, Lex, like you do not deserve Ryan as a friend. You really don't. Yeah, and just to like tie that up, um, what what was everyone's thoughts about like um everyone getting into new tribe style for the vote itself? I liked it. <laughs> me too. <laughs> like. They finally changed their clothes. Where is I? Hold on, I want to find it. Um, how Xander says it's a big night. Like that just it sets the tone. Sense, like it we should have a sense of occasion. Yeah, yeah, like it. It is. It's a big night for them, and they should dress up. Like Sandra found a funeral a great reason to doll up. Yeah, exactly. So she was the only one, or she was the only one, but she was upset that she didn't get to dress up for the funeral. So now everyone gets to dress up. I totally get it because just in the world right now with people, you know, self-isolating and they're really not going out as much, there's been a huge joke of people getting dressed up just so they can take their trash out. Mm-hmm. They just want an excuse to be able to look nice. And I totally get in their world, these kids never have a reason 
to care about their looks beyond maybe intimidation or practicality. So yeah, it would be exciting. And I just, Zandra even states it, it's our first election. Their new world, this is their first democratic action toward the future. Have a sense of occasion. It is a big deal, you know? And it's a big deal for this tribe who are like legit moving forward. And yeah. I, I, I just, I get it. I, t- I would have dressed up too. <laughs> Besides, Lex said if he won, he's going to have a party. I want to look good. Yeah. I think it's literally just Bray and Trudy who don't dress up, I think. Yeah, they're both pretty depressed right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Lex, uh, now you're a leader. Uh, let's dish out the creamed rice. Who's got creamed rice? Didn't you know? Jack's got loads of it in his food store. Oh, yeah? Since when? What food store, Jack? Yeah, what did you think of that, that final reveal that when Lex found out and then everyone else found out? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, the chickens have come to roost, baby. I love Celine in that moment. My favorite I... quote is from that scene. Celine <laughs> just got creamed rice. <laughs> like, exactly. She kind of misses the point, doesn't she? She's just like, wait, what? Yeah. No, but it, it tells a lot about Celine because Celine's first response is, Creamed rice? Who's got creamed <laughs> rice? And all she thinks about is Ryan about the same thing. As to finish Sabine's thought, he was <laughs> obsessed with the cream rice too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why they work together well. Their love of creamed rice. Their yes, their entire relationship. I know about one about like salty, but I think it was also a little play on like the bulimia storyline kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. It was like oh, totally. creamed rice. Who's got creamed rice? Like I think it, it was, was opening of, it up for that. Seed, yeah, I think. It was. He was just focused on food, not on anything else. That's also been starting to work its way through. And I didn't realize it um, earlier, even. Like, I didn't realize it was starting to wedge its way in so early in the show. It was even earlier than that, because it's the moment he hands Trudy the plate of hot dogs and beans and tells her, I eat anything I can get my hands on. Back to the discovery. um, I, uh, one of my favorite parts about it is the light bulb going off in Ryan's head that something isn't quite right. Like you can see the train boarding the station. That's how slow it takes. I've had those moments. You you can see the smoke, you can smell it as the train finally arrives. And then you're like, wait a minute. Cause he's watching Patsy come back to the table with more food. And it's not just that she says, Oh, we have a secret store. Cause he's like, I thought you were all out of rations. He's looking at the food and realizing we don't have any of that food in the kitchen yeah. pantry. Something is mm-hmm. not right. I love seeing it just like open mm-hmm. up on Ryan's face. Because he's not suspicious of people. That's not in Ryan's nature, you know. And he's with a bunch of kids and he's having a good time. And I just love that moment. You can see it in his eyes like, something's not right. <laughs> I'll be right back, Paul. I'm going to go follow your sister. And of course, her and Jack are being so obvious. <laughs> I just like how he like walks himself away from the table. Like he's just kinda like, I'll be right back and just kinda nee, 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 nee. I just love how he blurts it out when he sees legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> he won. We can share the food out now, right? <laughs> the way Ryan reveals it 
If it was anybody else, I would think they were screwing with Lex. Because the way Ryan reveals it, he does it in a way that he should know. Lex hasn't told anybody about the food store yet. He even says, what, you guys don't know? Jack has a ton of food. (laughs) Ryan, you know they don't know. Lex literally just said not to say anything about it. But of course, it's because it's Ryan and he's innocent. I know it wasn't subterfuge, but... Mm -hmm. That delivery cracks me. And the yeah. looks like he wants to stab him in the face. And then, like, you watch Lex just even, like, like the gears turn and, like, okay, this is bad. How can I weasel out of this? Points to Lex for handling it as quickly. Right? Like, that was clever. He jumped on that in a heartbeat. Exactly. Well, he has one little moment, but that's just... He's like, I'm not going down for this. Oh, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. But you can see where he starts to think about how to weasel it out, which is great. And I don't feel sorry for Jack. I just I do think yeah. it's a great moment for kids who are watching the show. The look here is definitely the moral of the story. You mm-hmm. sleep with dogs, you get fleas, and you can see the look on Jack's face. He's like, "Daggone it!" You know I mean? Right? I sold my soul to Faust. Like, yeah, Jack, you brought this on yourself. This is corruption, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> Cool. So that leads us to our favorite quotes of the week. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm, it, it's always Zandra. It's, I love this line. <laughs> We've this before, but it is the Electric Rouge line. It's my oh. favorite. What do you think I should do with this, Ryan? Electric Rouge. It's my favorite. After the election, I think. Her delivery is just fantastic. I, I love that line. I will forever pick that. So that's my favorite. And is great. Her delivery is lovely. And just something as simple as loving a lipstick color in this world and recognizing it on sight. But I always feel bad because right after when Lex tells her he can, ha- she can have it if she votes for him. And her face, her expression falls because for just a second, Zondra thought he'd gotten her her favorite lipstick just out of the goodness of mm-hmm. his heart. And then she has to realize, no, he just wanted something from me. I'm going to do it because I want that lipstick, but... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, sweetie. It just reminds me of that uh, the ketchup line from Dow. It's just it's yeah. like a genuine love, and it's just like <laughs> for something simple. But yeah, I love it. We'd all react that way, being able to see something that you don't ever get ever again, and all of a sudden there it is. Hmm. Um, let me see. My favorite line of the episode. We already covered a couple of them. Like, you ever play roulette? I just love Lex offering to take Paul to a casino. That's adorable. I wish I could have seen that. But my favorite line is actually Trudy saying, what future? When Bray is telling her that she needs to vote and Trudy has shown no interest in caring what happens in this tribe. She's in a dark place. And um, Bray's just like, dude, just vote for someone for Brady's sake, for her future. And Trudy just hisses at him. What future? They're going to elect a proper leader. Vote. At least for the baby's sake. For her future. What future? And if you've ever been in that dark place where you just can't see out of it, and just the vitriol, the anger and resentment she feels at being stuck in this horrendous world, she sees no light at the end of the tunnel, and she's just angry at everybody. You know, there's no one to blame for her situation, and she's just... What freaking future, you know? Like, whew, it's a better place to be, baby girl. Another one I really, really loved was uh, something Zandra says. I hope you're not thinking of voting for her. Well, 
I'm gonna call the male leaders. All trousers and no common sense. <laughs> That's a great line. I love that. I love that whole scene. That's a good one, Sabine. Between every great woman is a line of idiots. Yep. Zandra's <laughs> just full of win. She does not get enough credit for the awesome lines she get, she has. And Hill, do you have a favorite line? So right before the election, Bray walks in and Lex goes, Ah, the great wonder wanderer returns. And Bray <laughs> says, Did you miss me? So, the great wanderer returns. Did you miss me? And I just I want the return like shot of Lex doing like kissy lips. Because it's like I just I love their like their their headbutts. Yeah. And I, I just, I do, I want to see, like, when they were filming that and just the, the making each other laugh. I also like that, like, by Lex saying that, it shows that already they've already accepted that's kind of just Bray's thing. Yeah. Like, now if he wanders off, they know he's going to come back. They don't know what he's doing, but they know he'll come back. Even to the point where Lex is just making jokes about it. I love that. And, like, they don't like it, but they accept it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it was no, it wasn't. I think it was episode nine or eight. Like, if I see Bray open that sewer entrance one more time, it's just oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... and he keeps doing it and doing it. They keep using the same shot with him getting in and out of the sewer, and sometimes yeah. they just reverse the shot. <laughs> well, that's just that's a trick for saving money and time. Like oh. that, I don't hold that against them. Oh no, but, but like, it's funny uh... to notice that. It's just that frustrating yeah. with Bray. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just I, I see it as someone who has tried to film on a slow budget or low budget. I, I get the need for that, and I I I give them all the credit for doing that, and people not being too crazy. Well, they are crazy about it, but just doing it. Just who cares? We're not filming this. We're going to use the same bird five series. They have a low budget, so they had to be very creative with how many angles they could actually get. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they use a lot of long takes. And I think they had, I'm not 100% positive, but I do want to say they had two cameras rolling. Mm -hmm. But yeah. they definitely spent budget elsewhere and mm -hmm. not necessarily on what should have been used. Like, they had to pay rent for the studio space for the mall. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where their budget went to. Yeah. Well, considering that small budget, I think they did a really good job, you know, yeah. stressing it the way they did, because I never was bothered by the lack of coverage. I thought they got enough. And like I said, they got creative. They have a lot of long takes, um, which are difficult to get right, you know, but they did it. And I love that, even though we don't get to go outside, like we get that, there's a little bit of lore that expands the world. Yeah. Mm. Like earlier on, when um, Lex talks about the casino that the Demon Dogs run. Mm -hmm. like, we're never going to revisit it, but it's nice to like hear about it and build the lore. <laughs> I remember when I was really big into like writing fan fiction. I had like the sector breakdowns, and you can actually get a mm -hmm. very good picture of the city just from word of mouth of like knowing whose yeah. territory is what and where like the different sectors are. So mm -hmm. I thought that yeah. was really cool too. Like you can, we have a, uh, a RPG board where we've had to suss out all the sectors of the city. And it's just from their dialogue. That's literally yeah. all it's yeah. about. And you get, yeah. you get a very good, I think long, there's one list. map. Yeah, there's one map from a one German. Map. Yeah. There's a German map. But it doesn't have the sectors on it. <laughs> but you can nope. still figure it out. Like we, we worked it out based on what they mention is where. Yeah. 
So yeah, I would give this episode an A plus. Absolutely. It's one of the best. Yeah. I don't have anything to complain about it. I loved everybody in it. Loved everything they had to say except for you know, I, maybe I just don't like the name Martin. Maybe that's it. <laughs> it never sounds right to me. <laughs> so yeah, great episode. Uh, cool. So that brings episode 10 to a close. Uh, thank you very much, panel. And we will see you next week for episode 11. Uh, so yeah, so see you next time. See you guys. Bye. Bye.